the bishop, Dr. Frank Damasio. Love you so much. Good morning. Good morning. One more time. Good morning. Thank you very much. Great to be with Julian and Christina and the family and the church and the leaders and everybody else. Um, always great to come down to uh, Oasis, see what God's doing. Uh, Julie and I have developed quite a good friendship over the years. And you just had my son, you know, so I have to really up my preaching in order to, you know, to be in the, in the now. So I'm glad he was able to come. Well, we're going to dig into the Word today. Uh, what I'm going to do, everyone in the room will get something out of it. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're coming from, or your present status. If you're a pursuer of God, still in the process of trying to make a decision, if you're going to give your life to God or not, this message will speak to you. If you're a person away from God and have ran into some walls, you'll get something out of this. You'll know exactly what I mean when I get into this message. If you're a person who's been in the Christian walk for a while and you find yourself at times stuck, certainly the message will speak to you. So everyone will get something out of it because you know this phrase. If I, would, if I was in a room with you and we were talking and I said to you, I kind of leaned forward and I said to you, listen, listen to me. You've got to take your life to the next level. You would know exactly what I meant without any definition, explanation, or digging deeper into that phrase. You would know what I'm saying to you. Hey, you can't stay where you are. You've got to take your life to the next level. You would ponder and you would discern your situation. And we would talk about what does that mean to you? How would you take your life to the next level? I'm going to deal with that today because so much of life is between the now and the not yet. We live in the now, but we know there's something coming that's the not yet. We live between questions and answers. We don't have all the answers. There's a lot of dilemmas. There's a lot of things you won't have answers for until you get to heaven, no matter what anybody says to you. There are some things that are unanswerable. And so if you keep wrestling with the unanswerable and the dilemmas of life, you'll end up being stuck at a certain level. And you don't want to do that. So we're going to talk about what it means to depart from where you are and get to where you should be. I'm going to call it the sacred space of the next. It's a sacred space called next, where you're headed, where you should be going, what should be happening with your life. God wants to take you to the next level. 
You don't need to be stuck. You don't need to be blinded. You don't need to be in all deal with the things that would get you to that level. At least start going to the next level. You have to accept what is. Of course, I do. You also have to let go of what was difficult. To let go of what was is difficult. You have to have faith in what will be, and what will be is better than what was. And where you're headed is better than where you are. And God is not finished with you, your life. You're not done yet. One of the things I used to say to my church for years, I pastored for many, many years. I would say many times at the beginning of the sermon, and they knew it, you know, I had little funny little things I would do like, you know, every pastor does, I guess. But I would have the church turn to one another and say, you're a piece of work. And then I would have them repeat it to me, you're a piece of work. I want everyone to say out loud, I'm a piece of work. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, and you're a piece of work. Now, for some of you, you're going further than what I meant. Because you're looking at them and saying, you're a piece of work. I'm not going there, uh, even though there's emotions with that, you know. To say I'm a piece of work means I'm the clay, he's the potter. He's still at work fashioning. He's got to put me in the furnace. He's got to make me who I need to be. I can't make myself. But I believe in God. I believe in the God who is the potter, who can make me better than I could make myself, and who can do things for me that I can't do for myself. So we're talking about that God that's going to make you into the person that you need to become. All right. In John 10.10, we have a famous scripture. This is the scripture where Jesus says, and I'll give you abundant life. So let me deal with that for a moment. In John 10, 10, I want you to preach with me. You know, my congregation preached with me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preach response kind of a teacher and, you know, declare things, echo things, say things. You know, uh, I think you need to do that for me. Can I hear an amen? amen? Good. Okay, so you're going to talk to me. That's right. And you're going to shake your head yes. Even if you don't like what I'm saying, you're going to go, okay. Okay. You're going to get involved with me. Now, I'm going to read these phrases about abundant life in different translations. And I simply want you, when I tell you to do it, I want you to simply say, yes. Let's try it. Mm little louder. Yes. Okay, John 10.10, 10, he wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. Yes. Have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows. Yes. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Yes. Give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness. Now, we're saying yes, because these things are the will of God. These things are what God has for your life. Anything under this is not the will of God. We live under the will of God a lot of times because we give in and we don't go there and we, 
We don't go through the doors. We don't go to the next levels. We let our mind trick us. We let our habits uh, fence us in and things begin to happen. But I'm saying to you, the will of God for your life is that you would have a rich and abundant life. You would have more friends. You would have more happiness. You would have more in the future. You would have more of all the good things that you would like to have. Those are the things that God had for you. More love, more peace, more fulfillment, more all of that. How many of you would say, I'm ready for a life of more? I could, I could do that. Come on, wave at me a little bit. I'm ready for a life of more. Okay, so the rich and satisfying life is yours to have, yours to believe in, to go to the next level, not to stay where you are. Now, here's a scripture from the Apostle Paul that I want you to take as your own. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 11, 13, in the Message Translation by Eugene Peterson. The Message Translation is one of the most um, enjoying translations to read because he puts it in language that everybody can understand. Here's Paul dealing with the Corinthian church. Now, I want you to be that person that Paul's talking to. I want you to take this as personal as personal as if you open the mail and here's this letter from the Apostle Paul saying these things to you. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you. Now, listen to his language. To enter this wide open, spacious life we didn't fence you in. We didn't fence you in. With that statement is a question and an answer. He's saying, so who did? So who did? Why are you fenced in? We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection, open up your lives, live openly and expansively. And so I'm here today to ask you this question and to deal with this. Who fenced you in? Who caused you to live the small life? Was it really all the external things to do with everything around you, circumstantially, even geographically, demographically? You are in a certain place in life right now, and you would say, I am fenced in. I'm fenced in because of the people around me. I'm fenced in because California is so expensive to live in, and I hate the place that I have to live, and it's the governor's fault, it's the taxes' fault. There's too many potholes in the roads. And so I'm fenced in. I don't like what's going on around me. The job I'm working at, the boss is not that great. The pay is not that great. I just feel fenced in on every side. The people I relate to, they disappoint me. The ones that used to be my friends have turned differently than I thought. They're not my friends anymore. And so I have a relational fence, and I have a financial fence, and I have all these other things, and I just feel fenced in. And Paul is bold enough to say to those people, and I'm saying to you to apply this, he says to them, who fenced you in? It wasn't me. It wasn't God. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It wasn't even the devil. The reason you're fenced in is because it's inside of you. 
You're living a small life because it's small inside of you. It's not an external problem. It's an internal problem. You have believed in your heart that you're going to live a small life. You're disappointed in life. You've had too many failures, too many hurts. All the things that are coming around you are too hard to deal with. And so you are fenced in. You don't see a way out. And Paul is saying to them, you got to open up your life. And the way you open up your life is open up your heart and put your mouth to work with your heart. And you begin to take down all the fences that are around you, all the fences of unforgiveness and bitterness and the fear of failure and all these fences that you have built around your life slowly or quickly until you are so fenced in, then you lock the gate. I'm saying to you today, we are here to tear down some fences. Some fences. They don't have to be there. You don't have to live small. You don't have to be in smallness. Paul says, you're living in a small way. That's because it's in you. So today, I'm going to break out of this. You're going to break out of this. And I'm going to simply start with the most simple, simple thing to do because it says, like in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you're going to get saved, it says you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you shall be saved. It's a simple formula. It's a supernatural formula. It's something you can't see. You don't know how it works, but there's something about the heart and the mouth when they connect together. It creates a supernatural atmosphere, and God begins to work with your words and work with your heart. You have a powerful access to the future when you do that. So I'm going to access that with you today. I want you to start with me today by saying, I'm going to tear down fences. I'm going to tear down fences. I'm not going to live small. Today, I'm breaking out. All the smallness in me, in my heart, in my mouth, doesn't have to be there. So today, I'm saying, I'm going to the next level right now. In my heart, in my mouth, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to the next level. By faith, the fences will come down and I will move into a spacious life. Breathing room. I'm moving out. I'm breaking out. Come on, give the Lord a clap on your shout right now. I'm believing this to be what the Lord is doing with all of us. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively. Now, my definition has in it a lot of the words that will help you. So take this down. Taking your life to the next level requires... And the requirement here is your requirement. God will not do this for you. You have to do this to allow God to partner with you. Taking your life to the next level requires a breaking out. What does that mean? It sounds, it sounds like something I need to do. I need to know more about that phrase. A letting go. 
I think I know what that means. Letting go of what would you have to let go of right now to go to the next level? What is it? When you go to the next level, there's going to have to be a new you for the new level. And so God has to work on you to get you ready for the next level. And so there's going to have to be a new you. And also, here's another thing. Not everybody you have around you will go with you to the next level. There are some people that are not next level people. They are happy with their stuck life. They're happy with their negative attitude. They're happy with their glass always being half full. They're happy blaming everybody else. They're happy doing all those things. And when you start going to the next level, you're going to have some people that don't want you to go to the next level because they don't want to go to the next level. So they're going to hold on and try to get you to stop going to the next level. And they, they notice you're being too positive. They notice that you have too much expectation. They notice that you start making new decisions and new disciplines and new principles and new goals, and you start going to the next level, and there are some people that will hinder you from doing that, and I'm saying to you, let them go. Let them go. Now, what I'm not saying to you is that if that person is your spouse, I'm not saying turn to them and say, I'm letting you go, buddy. You are out of my life. You can't do that. You married them, you married them. You got to fix it. You got to get both of you to go to the next level. So you can't say. But there are other people that are not covenantal with you that could be a hindrance and you're used to their lack being around you, you're going to have to let go. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have a few people that you know you should let go of? If you're sitting with them, just look at me. Don't look anywhere else. <laughs> just look straight to me and just lift your hand. If they say, who you talk about, just say, between me and God. How many know there's some things in your life you've got to let go of, and it's been bugging you for a while, and you know you should let go of, but you haven't let go of, but you're going to let go of today. Let me see your hands. You know. How many would know that unforgiveness you have to let go of? Bitterness you got to let go of. Anger you got to let go of. Disappointment you got to let go of. You can't go to the next level and have all this baggage in your life. Some people have enough baggage to put into their wallet or their purse. That's how small their baggage is. Some people have a briefcase full. Some people have a trunk full. Some people have to rent a U-Haul <laughs> to put all their baggage in, to take with them everywhere they go because they have so much baggage. We're not going to take the baggage to the next level. The baggage doesn't deserve to go to the next level. We're going to let all the baggage go. We're going to get rid of the baggage. We're, we're not going to rent a U-Haul to put all of our offenses in. We're not going to rent a U-Haul to put all of our hurts in. Because sometimes we begin to identify only with our hurts. And that becomes our definition of who we are. And people know and they feel sorry for us. And it's all about your hurts and all about what you went through. And you know, 
that's okay for a while, a day, two, a month. But after that, you don't live with your hurts. You have to let go of them. You don't want people to feel sorry for you. You don't want people to pat you on the head every Sunday, week after week, and say, oh, my, 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 I feel so bad for you. That's okay a couple times. A third time, you need to put your hand over their mouth and say, quit saying that. I am fine. I've let go of the hurt, and I'm healed, and I'm moving forward, and I'd like you to move forward also. Quit asking me about that. I'm not going to talk anymore about it. It's something in those words that makes you stand out as a person that's moving forward. What are you doing? You're letting go. You're stepping up. And allowing things to unfold. This is a hard one. At God's pace, ways, and timing. We don't like God's pace, ways, and timing. We want God to do everything on our timing. And so we put our little grubby hands into the mix. And we try to manipulate things and move things and open doors sooner and let's get this done and let's, let's go to the next level. I'm not here anymore. I want this. I want that. God says, now just take, take your time here. There, it takes a while for me to work on you to have the capacity for you to go to the next level. And so you've got to do something on the level you're at in order to enlarge your heart, enlarge your vision, enlarge your faith so that when you go to the next level, you can inherit that and move forward more quickly. And so God paces us. And we're not patient people. I don't know any patient people. I think all the patient people are in heaven. I think <laughs> patience is just a difficult thing to have when we actually say, okay, it's in God's time, in God's ways. God's ways are different. You know, when Moses said, okay, I'll be your servant or do it. And God said, great, let's spend 40 years in the wilderness. Time out. Wait a minute, just a second. I just surrendered my life to your vision for the people. And what are you doing? I'm going to put you in the wilderness for 40 years. And when you come out, you'll be perfect. You'll be perfectly baked for what I need. When Joseph gets a dream, it's a dream that's a great dream. And Joseph is ready to go. And God says, you're not ready to go. I'm going to have to get you ready. OK, get me ready. What does that mean? More worship services. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can sing. I can worship. It's not just about you singing in worship. It's about you going through the fire. It's about you going through the storm. And so God takes Joseph and puts him in a pit. Then it's in Potiphar's house where he's misused. And then it's in a prison. And then it goes on for 13 years. Things just keep happening. And, and surely Joseph would have said, I don't think this is ever going to happen the way I dreamed, the way I thought, because all of these things are happening. When King David got the anointing over him and God said to him, you're going to be the next king, it was a long time before David became the next king because David went through wilderness after wilderness and Saul chased him and, and all these things start happening to David. And this is what David says, Almost at the end of his wilderness, again, for about 13, 14 years, David says, surely someday I'm going to die at the hand of Saul. He didn't believe the dream anymore. It had been beat up. It had been taken. The pace of it, the ways, the timing, the dealings, the, the way the potter was working with the clay, David says, no, I don't see the kingship. I don't see the throne. I think I'm going to die at the hand of Saul. Joseph, I'm in this prison. And the baker and the butler, 
They have both forgotten me. I don't see me getting out of here. And so there are times when we don't understand the pacing of God, the ways of God, or the timing of God. I'm saying to you right now, God doesn't make mistakes. He has his own compass. He has his own clock. And the way he works that is according to his will. And many times he doesn't tell you what he's doing because you would try to mess it up. So he doesn't tell you. He leaves you in the dark. He leaves you in the dark. And even when we beg, oh God, show me what to do. I just know that you're, you're working, but I need to see, I need to see. And God says, if you saw, it'd be a problem. I'm just gonna leave you blind for a while. You can't help me with it. I just gotta do it the way I do it. God has to work in us before he can place something over us. God has to work in you before he opens the doors for you. We would like to open the door when we still have lack of integrity, character flaws, we don't live by principle, all these things. We want to just open the door and go to the next level so we have more character flaws, more broken principles. They're just bigger and wider. No, God is working with you where you are to get you ready to where you have to be. And to do that, he has to change you. So when you say, yes, everyone say yes. yes. When you say, yes, Lord, take me to the next level. God says, okay, okay, here we go. You want to go to the next level? I want to go to the next level. Okay, I'm going to have to work in your work on me. You know, we sing that chorus. I'm the sacrifice and you're the fire. You wouldn't sing it if you knew it was going to happen. And so as we say, yes, Lord, then things begin to start happening. Sometimes it's not what you planned. And you look at it and you rebuke the devil like the little boy who found the devil on the, on the side of the road. The devil was just crying and weeping away. And the little boy says, well, why are you crying, devil? He says, because the people keep blaming me for all the things I never get to do. <laughs> and so we, we blame the devil. Listen to me. I guess you have to. I got the microphone. <laughs> the devil is not your problem. He's weak. He's rebuked by the cross and the blood of Jesus. He cannot take ground that you don't give him. He is a weak devil. He is not a strong devil. He is a dumb devil. He uses the same things over and over again. He is a defeated foe. The cross has already defeated him. You're already a believer. You already have the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word of God, confession in your mouth. You're much stronger than you think you are. He's much weaker than you would ever know. And so I want you to quit thinking that the devil is doing anything in your life because I'm telling you right now, I don't think he is. I think we're fenced in because it's inside of us, not outside of us. The devil is not your problem. I wish it was. I wish I could just call you up and lay hands on you and say, in the name of Jesus, be free. Go to the next level. Done. Oh, devil, I rebuke you. Get your hands off her life. And, you know, I would pray that. But that's not the whole picture. The whole picture is you have to go to the next level. And the devil's not your problem. I hate to tell you this. How many know 
who the problem is. Come on, how many know who the problem is? How many know it's, it's you? It's not, it's not your genetics. If I just would have had a better father, if I would have known my father, or better parents, or better upbringing, or a better coach, or a better teacher, if I just would have, we have all these things that we like to look at, but the truth is, it's you. And you can change. If you're not happy with your miserable life, don't live it anymore. If you're not happy with everything around you, you can change that. It's called going to the next level, stepping up and allowing God to work and unfold things at his pace. All right, 1 Kings 3.5. 1 Kings 3.5 is a prayer and an encounter with Solomon and God. I want this to be yours. I want you to take this. That night, 1 Kings 3.5, that night, everyone say that night. A lot of times, God works in the dark. He does more work in the dark than he does the light. He's working more behind the scenes than in the scene because he's always at work, whether you see it or not. That night, there in Gibeon, God appeared. God wants to do exactly that with you, is that he wants to break in. He wants to have what I would call a divine interruption in your life. A divine interruption in your life means that he wants to break into your life like he did to Solomon. God appeared, divine interruption. How many of you would be open for a divine interruption? For God just kind of push in and appear to you in a way that you could understand. So God appeared to Solomon in a dream. Nighttime, divine interruption, a dream. Dreams come sometimes when we're asleep, sometimes with our eyes wide open, sometimes dreams are progressive revelations of the heart. We see something and it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. I've had dreams from God in the night that were truly a dream from God. God spoke to me and it was in the dream and it ended up being the word of God very few times in the last 50 years. So that's not usually the frequent use of the dream. I've had dreams where I began to realize something that was in my heart that was developing, that was becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. Most of the time it happens that way, where you go from line upon line, here little, there little, and you begin to understand there's something going on inside of me. God is showing me something. God's developing something. I'm beginning to see something. I think this is where I'm headed. I, I, I have a dream about this specific thing. And so God says to Solomon, what can I give you? What can I give you? Ask me. If God, and he can and he will, come to you. And God says, what do you want? What can I give you? What would you say? Because whatever your answer is, you need to write it down. And usually our answers are small. What we ask for are small. It's below. No matter how great we ask, it's still below what God could do. 
And so usually we ask according to our circumstance and our maturity and our word knowledge, and we say, oh God, can you give me this so that I could fulfill the dream? Ask, what would you ask? Elijah and Elijah, he says, the prophet to the prophet, if you see me when I go up, I'll give you whatever you ask. And Elijah, the younger prophet, says, I want a double portion of what you have. And Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. You want twice the anointing, twice the miracle, twice the mantle that I've had. The younger prophet could have said, I just want what you have. And the older prophet would have said, that's a good request. It's doable. But the younger prophet went higher. He said, I want, I want double. You're asking a hard thing. I know, but that's what I want, and that's what you shall have. I want you to not ask just for the single. I want you to ask for the double. I want you to go higher with your request. I want you to lift those requests to the supernatural realm and say, God, this is what I want. If you're praying for a husband and you just say, God, give me a husband, and God says, okay, are you asking just for a man who breathes? <laughs> what, what are you asking for? Well, I want a man, yes, I want him to be alive. Well, what else do you want? <laughs> well, I want him to have a job. Any kind of a job? Well, no, a good job. What kind of a job? I don't know. Well, the more obscure you are, the harder for God to fulfill the ask. So if you're going to ask for a husband, you need to sit down and say, I want a husband who is six foot, and I want him to be 180 pounds, maybe high school weight. I want him to be, uh, I want him to be this kind of a person. You need to actually ask the hard thing and let God answer the hard thing. If you don't, God could just send you a breathing man. <laughs> and vice versa for the man asking for a woman. She's alive. <laughs> or she wears lipstick. Howdy doody. Do you want more than lipstick? Do you want to marry more than makeup? Do you want to marry more than a good smell? Then you need to ask God, what kind of a woman do you want? Start with the inward instead of the outward. I want a woman that is, don't go there <laughs> till later. Start with the character of the woman. Start with the internal strengths. Start with the value of that person. Okay, I'm in the marriage council, never mind. <laughs> Ask, how many are getting something out of this? How, how many of you today are going to put away the breathing man prayer? Okay, done. We're done with that. All right? If you're going to ask, ask God. I want a rich man. Ask him. It's better than saying, I want a poor man. Ask him. What kind of job do you want? Any job. Then God will give you any job. But you want something else, you got to ask. You got to set your prayers a little higher.
Are you there? 1 Corinthians 13, 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For we now see things through a dim window. And this is exactly what life is. We see things through a dim window, obscurely. We know things partially, exactly. That is life. We look through a dim window. We don't see everything clear, at least not all the time. There are times when it does come clear, but a lot of times it's like this 1 Corinthians 13, 12, a dim window, obscurely, partially. Message translation says, we don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. Won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright again. When you're in a fog and you can't see, even the hood of your car, I mean, a thick fog, I've been there before, it's a horrible thing to be driving in a thick fog because you don't know where you're at. It's better just to stop or go so slow that you can still see something on the road. You're in a thick fog. In life, sometimes we get into a thick fog and that's the wrong time to make big decisions. It's the wrong time to change directions. If you're in a fog, you need to wait because the weather's going to clear and the sun's going to shine and things are going to open up and God's going to give you that kind of a mentality and a perspective where you can see. I want to say to you today that God is going to send you better weather over your life. And where you have been blinded, where you have been hindered, where you have been fogged in, and it's so frustrating when you get fogged in and you have to squint and you can't hardly see anything. My word to you is just stay put, be patient until the fog clears and God says, okay, now we can make a decision on this. The fog will clear and you will make better decisions. If you're going to go to the next level, I'm going to give you another scripture now. To get to the next level, we must get past this word. It's not, this scripture is not on the screen also. Exodus 4.1. Exodus 4.1. You have to get past this word if you're going to go to the next level. It's the word in Exodus 4.1. It's the word never, never. But listen to what I mean by it. Exodus 4.1, Moses responding to God. No, Lord, no, Lord, don't send me. I have never, I have never, I have never been a speaker. And God says to Moses, do you not understand? I, I make man, I make man's mouth. I can form words. I can give you a miracle because Moses had a stuttering problem. That's why he had Aaron become his speaker. And God says, don't say you will never be a speaker. And he became very articulate later as a leader and a book writer. He was the man who passed this never and went beyond it. But at that point, it was the never that stopped him. I've never, I've never been good at this. I'm going to give you some things that never means. One, 
never is the place of impossible. It's a place of impossible. Never is the dream that can't come true. And so that's your never. The dream can't come true. The resources aren't available. The goals we have, I can't reach. I don't, I've never had the strength. I've never had the discipline. I, I've never had the open doors. So this word never is your fence. It begins to limit you. It's, it's the piece of you that's gonna cause that dream to fall dead. Never is the unfinished work. It's, it's this thing that you've got to overcome. Never is the place of regrets. Never is the place of regrets. I have regrets, you have regrets, but you better get rid of them. You better overcome them and put them in the right place. I failed, okay, you failed. There's nothing you can do about it if you fail. There is nothing you can do about failure. If you had a failure, you had a failure. Your only hope is the future, not going back to the regrets of, I should have, I could have, what is wrong with me? Why did I make that decision? Now I'm living a life I don't want to live. I regret that to the day I die. No, that is not kingdom of God language. That's not Bible language. That's not the Holy Spirit language. That is not your language. You got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of this thing called regret. I failed. Okay, you failed. Go forward. I never finished what I started. I never learned. I never got that big break I was looking for. And I, I regret all these things that never came my way. Living on regrets is the American USA soil of thought. So many people are trapped in regrets. And they, they pin people to the floor. They tie people up. They fence people in. Today, I want you to get rid of the nevers in your life. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Never is a place of blame. Never is a place of blame. Who do we blame? Ourselves. That's our biggest problem. We blame ourselves. We begin to look at ourselves and say, I'm just no good. I just don't have what it takes. You know, I had a chance once, but I missed the opportunity and I just have to accept where I'm at. I blame myself for the stupidity of things I did. And there's nothing I can do but regret and blame blame myself, and if that's not good enough, we start blaming others. I would have been ahead if it wasn't for him and her and that mom, that dad, that coach, that person, that friend, whoever it might be. And then if that doesn't work, then we start blaming the devil. You know, the devil's been really hard on me. He's really trapped me. He's really bound me, blah, blah, blah. If that doesn't work, we go to God. I blame God. God is sovereign. God is good. He should have moved in my life. I don't know what's wrong with God, but he does other things for people. He doesn't do it for me. So we blame, 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 blame. It is building a higher fence, a higher fence, a higher fence every time we blame shift. So today, we're not going to blame shift anymore. We are going to tear down the fences of never and blaming and regrets, and we're going to move forward because never is not the word over my life. That's not the word that's going to define me. I'm going to change never to, and God has for me a new future and a new way. Never is a place where we get stuck, immobilized, paralyzed. That toxic cloud of never. I never get to finish. Come, all the holy singers and holy musicians.
that can make enough noise that I have to quit. <laughs> Never. I'll give you one more scripture and one last thought. Today, I want you to, to take this down. If you're going to go to the next level, now is the time to do it. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, in a favorable time, I listened to you in a day of salvation. I have helped you. Behold, now, everyone shout now. now. What a great word. So much better than ever. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I'm giving you a now word today. You are a person who is going to enter into your next level. Remember this, in the kingdom of God, there's no elevators, only stairs. There's no elevators. You have to walk one step at a time. No elevators. You can't just say, fifth floor. God says, no, take stairs. One step at a time. Your first step is now, today. I'm going to do this now, today. Can I hear a big amen? Yeah. All right. Okay, church, we got to wrap it up, but I want to pray. I want you to stand to your feet. Thank you very much for being such an obedient group of people. And I want to ask you to bow your head, to give privacy to other people. And I want to ask two questions real quickly, and please respond if you can. One, if you're in the room and you don't know God, and you would like a new life called the life that God is putting together for me. It's a new beginning. It's a new covenant. It's something new coming to you. But you have to put God in your life. You've thought about it, but you've never done it. Now is the day. Now is the time. Say, Frank, I need God in my life, and I need to start today. Would you lift your hand right now? Just lift your hand and say, I need God in my life. I'm talking salvation i'm talking turning to okay lift your hand anybody else lift your hand right now second question if you're away from god you're a prodigal you somehow got beat up and got off track and you know it. god knows it god's not mad at you and god is saying please come home please let me forgive you and give you the ring and the sandals and the robe let me do something for your life and you need to get back to God, would you lift your hand right now? Lift your hand. You know you are away from God, and you need to get back to God. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Could I ask one more thing? And you'll remember this more than just lifting your hand. If you do it with me, it'll be a stepping out. It'll be a now. If you lifted your hand, I would like you to step out and come to the front and let me pray for you. Just step out of where you are. The stepping out is a physical thing that you're doing with a spiritual experience. Come on, step out, step out. Just step out and come forward. Come on, step out for a new door, for a new a new season in your life, a returning to God, a returning to the path, 
and accepting of God's path, dropping all the stuff off. Come on, just step out. Walk right up here. Walk right up here. Walk right up here. Church, help me out just a little bit. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Uh, but I, I want you, I want you to ask anybody around you just to say, hey, if you want to go forward, I'll go with you. Some people are paralyzed in fear right now. All they need is a friend. Bring them forward. Go ahead and talk to people right around you. Say, if you want to go forward, I'll go with you. And then you just thank you, just like that. You just bring them up. Thank you. Again, just like that. Just like that. Thank God for that friend. Thank God for that friend. Thank God for that friend. Thank God for bringing them. Come on. Thank God for that friend that's bringing you forward right now. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Come on. Anyone else? Just bring them forward. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. So good. So good. So good. All right. I'm kind of taking my pastoral freedom this morning. I know the clock's ticking, but this is so important to me. If you have a friend that's standing at this altar right now, come stand with them. I'm gonna have you pray with them. Come on, just, just reach out to these people right here. Come stand with them. Come stand with them. Find your way. There's nothing better than someone standing with you right now. All right? And I have some women up here with nobody standing with them. I want four women, five women coming forward right now. I want you to stand with these women right here. I want you to stand with this young lady right here. Young lady, this is truly your new beginning. God is working on your behalf. Even though you have torn down so many things, God's gonna rebuild. It's your day, it's your day. Your tears are being recorded in heaven as a turnaround day for your life. Amen, amen. Come on, come on, come on. You you can't, you can't know how important this is for your life. You gave up on yourself. Other people gave up on you, but God never gave up on you. God has tracked you like a detective, following you everywhere, reaching out with his love. You're forgiven. You're lifted up today. A new beginning for you, hon. This is a new beginning for you. God 